Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside D. Louie here, and we look back at a victorious outcome for the K-State Wildcats 21-17 over the Kansas Jayhawks in the Dillon Sunflower Showdown. Uh, a game that, uh, quite frankly, was uh, not to be confused with a thing of beauty, but uh, the final scoreboard was a was a beautiful sight for K-State fans as they uh, they get uh, the victory over the in-state rival Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, I'm going to bring into the podcast now uh, my main man to my right, D. Lou. Uh, D. Lou, how did you uh, see this game playing out for the Wildcats? Well, I think the game probably set the sport back about 60 or 70 years. It was an affront to... Uh, that first half was... The sport of cultural... It was... A, it was uh, such an ugly game. And, you know, the first half was uh, a complete nightmare <laughs> in terms of entertainment, watching college football. And in the second, in the third quarter, uh, you had two uh, recoveries by kickoff teams, uh, one for each team, that led to neither side getting points. Um, and so there was a lot of mistakes on Saturday and very little taking advantage of those mistakes by uh, either side. And, uh, but all in all, glad that K-State was able to be the one standing at the end um, because it just as easily could have been KU. Yeah, and you know, when you look at that game, it seemed to me that you could have easily said KU was the more deserving team of winning it. Uh, played a... Uh, better game in terms of explosive plays on offense. I mean, K-State, uh, for the first half, I believe, had under 75 total yards. And, you know, that's just unbelievable against a team like KU, who, uh, as we pointed out last week, one of the worst defenses in college football, or in Power 5 college football, for sure. And, uh, you know, if you can't score against them, who who are you going to score against? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it... It's, especially the first half was so troubling because you see K-State's offense, which isn't good. I mean, it's not going to be confused with a capable offense, but going against a defense that's so bad, especially against the pass like KU, seeing K-State just completely unable to move the ball in the first half. I think we were only in KU territory once. Uh, it was very alarming and, uh, you know that that first half is probably the worst our offense has played all season, which is saying something because our offense has um, certainly had some bad performances this year, and so uh, very troubling. Although I will say that uh, you know that first real drive in the second half where K State marched right down the field after uh, holding KU after the recovered kick, yeah. Uh, seeing Barnes run with some anger and some purpose was refreshing, and it shows you what you know what this offense is capable of at times. But uh, those times were few and far between on Saturday, and they've been few and far between this season. Yeah, so I want to highlight a trio of Kansans oh. with Alex Dalton, Alex Barnes, and Dalton Schoen. Uh, of course, Alex Dalton, uh, you know, really was a quarterback. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of question on uh, his health. Of course, Skylar Thompson's health. Skylar Thompson uh, did not see any action uh, last Saturday against KU. Uh, 
but the the three Kansans really spearheaded uh, the K State attack in the in the second half. Uh, Dalton finished the day throwing for 126 yards, uh, rushing for a er, rushing for 55 yards and a touchdown uh, as well. And uh, Dalton Schoen led the Wildcats with 48 yards receiving. Wow. On so, three receptions. On three receptions. so uh, Banner day. Banner day there. But did have a big uh, reception of 28 yards that really set up the, the game-winning score for K-State on an Alex Dalton run. So uh, a trio of Kansans uh, lead the Wildcats here in a Sunflower Showdown victory over the Jayhawks. Yeah, and, and we're being hard on the offense. Uh, but I will say that last drive, the one uh, – where uh, K State needed it to pull ahead at the end, uh, that was an impressive drive, and you gotta take your hat off for uh, Alex Delton there on that last drive because he's had a rough season and he he didn't have a great game, um, but yeah, he threw for 126 yards and ran for 55 more, and uh, so struggling for most of the game, but really put together a nice drive there at the end when K-State really needed it. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to recap that drive, uh, it started out like many other K-State drives that day with uh, third and uh, third and short where they didn't weren't able to, con, to, uh, to pick up that first down. So on fourth and two, they actually lost yardage on third and one. Fourth and two from about midfield, uh, K-State goes out of the Wildcat uh, with Alex Barnes and – on first look, KU's got that place sniffed out. KU's going to look – it looks like they're going to drop him behind the line of scrimmage or uh, having a very much a, a fight to get back to the line of scrimmage. Uh, but Barnes is able to break it outside, uh, use some athletic ability to hurdle. Uh, I don't want to really say hurdle. More just jump across and, and almost like karate kick Mike Lee and uh, to, to get enough yards to pick up the first down just by a yard – uh, game three when they needed two, and then uh, Delton finds shown uh, down the uh, down the sideline to get us, uh, you know, inside uh, KU's 25 yard line. And on the next play, Alex Dalton runs it in for a touchdown. Yeah, and uh, that play by Barnes was so important. Um, you know, a fourth down. Uh, had he not converted that, then I think it's pretty unlikely that K State wins that game because. Yeah. All it, that was, it that sets was KU game. up with great field position. All it takes is a touchdown by them. And that even game's if, over. Even if they don't get a touchdown, it, they're going to be making K-State go probably at least 80 yards mm-hmm. to to get the game-winning score. And, and at that point, they'd have to be battling the clock a little. So, uh, huge play by Alex Barnes. Uh, great drive by K-State. Um, a gutsy performance against... An opponent that you certainly don't want to lose to, um, and one that is troubling that it was so close, but uh, they came up when they needed to and got the job done and were able to uh, maintain dominance in the state of Kansas for the 11th straight year? Ninth. Ninth? Ninth. 2009. Maybe 10th. 2009-2018, yeah, we'll split the difference. Ten straight victories for, for K-State over uh, the KU Jayhawks. Well, we kind of talked a little bit about the offensive side of the football in this game, but I feel like whether it was ineptness by both offenses is probably the most likely 
culprit. But uh, the defense, uh, I thought, played pretty well on Saturday as well. Yeah, I thought they did a fine job. Um, you know, is there something? Is there maybe a declaration you'd like to make? Yeah, the lynch mob maintained. They they didn't. It's leave not this back. Week. It's just it's just it's, still present. It was already back. They yeah. uh, they did a decent job. Peyton Bender got his yards, uh, and I thought he did a pretty good job on Saturday. He threw for uh, two hundred and thirty yards, uh, twenty one of thirty four, no interceptions, and two touchdowns. Um, so. Yeah, I, they did a good job of keeping KU out of the end zone. Uh, they gave up their share of yards, like I mentioned, to Bender. I thought KU's running backs were pretty impressive, especially, uh, I don't know about you, but I thought Khalil Herbert was uh, the best of the uh, Williams-Williams-Herbert trio mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, I would agree. But, uh, yeah, I think the defense did a reasonable job. They held KU to three points. They forced one big turnover at the end. Um, where they had to really do their part to to keep KU out of the end zone, uh, but yeah, I think the Lynch mob, they, their presence uh, remains. Well, and I want to highlight uh, especially uh, one individual that stood out to me, and that's Justin Hughes. Uh, five tackles, uh, three of those tackles were, uh, were for loss. Thought he has not only uh, played well in that game against KU, but I think he's really been the MVP of the defense here in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, he had a great game. I thought our I thought our linebackers played well throughout. Really, I thought uh, Hughes played well. I thought Patton played well. Yeah, um, Pat Patton Lee led the Wildcats with a nine total tackles. Um, so Patton and Hughes have really uh, seemingly found uh, a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of rhythm as. Uh, they've really taken the stranglehold as the as the two linebackers uh, for the K State defense. Yeah, I think that they've they've done a, a good job being that second layer. I mean, I yeah, it's hard to look at a spot on this defense, and this is surprising to say, but it's hard to look at a spot on this defense and say you know that's not a very good unit there um, because I think defensive line I think would be the closest. Yeah, I think to so that. too. Um, but even then, it's they haven't been horrible this no, year. They they kind of got uh, pushed around a little bit in a, in a few of these games early on, especially against Mississippi State, is one that bears to mind. But you know, I I saw a stat today that um, that was tweeted out that nobody has scored uh, twenty points against K State uh, at home in conference play. Now, granted, some of the the weaker teams in the conference have been have been making their way to Manhattan, but anytime you hold uh, a team under three touchdowns, that gives you more than a good chance to win. Yeah, you would think that would be enough, and and on Saturday it was against Texas, it wasn't, you know, but uh, the, whether it's just a product of opponents or it's comfort level or it's the atmosphere. Raucous, yeah. The raucous Bill Snyder family the, stadium crowd. We've seen outside of really the uh, Mississippi State game, the defense has played pretty well at home. I mean, I guess the uh, South Dakota game too um, kind of got away from them there for a little while. But uh, yeah, at home, the defense has mostly been nails. Yeah. So that, uh, that kind of wraps it up here for the KU portion of uh, reviewing the Sunflower Showdown. Uh, D. Lou, is there anything you'd like to tack on here? No. Um, just that KU 
came in. They had every everybody said these guys are have the momentum. These guys have something to play for. And over on the K State sideline, it's the continued uncertainty around the coaching situation. Not a real inspirational uh, cause for K State on Saturday outside of the rivalry. But I thought it was a pretty impressive uh, win, all things considered, by our guys, especially after coming out so flat in the first half and uh, the offense being so lethargic and all the other variables that are kind of going around the program. It was it was nice to at least, okay, we're not the worst team in the conference. We we are we can beat the worst we can, team. We so, can put we can extend our arm out and uh, and feel them though probably. Oh but, yeah, uh, we can we can smell them. Yeah. Um but uh you know, that's it's a game on Saturday that you you don't want to lose. You don't want to surrender that um because you know, we can talk about how the game's a given and all of that, and most years it is, but it's I, it's very important for K-State to remain, even if it's not a real football power uh, this year in the last few years, but it's important to remain the football program in Kansas. And I think uh, even by four points, maintaining that on Saturday was important. Well, let's go right ahead and just get into uh, the Texas Tech preview here as we go ahead and look at K-State's uh, matchup this Saturday. It's a 2.30 kick against the Red Raiders at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I look at this Texas Tech team and remember um, earlier in the season, a lot of their talk uh, kind of revolving around this, this Red Raider team was that this is a defense that is really – um, actually improved quite a bit. It is one of the conference's stronger units. Unfortunately, as time has gone on for Texas Tech fans, uh, they've seen their defense kind of come back to earth, and their offense, uh, of course, has always been a strong unit. So while maybe the narrative had, at the beginning of the season was that this Texas Tech defense can play a little bit, uh, it seems to me that they're a little bit more of uh, the same old Texas Tech. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And it's when I was – Looking at Texas Tech this week, it, I hadn't paid too close attention to him this year. Um, but on review, it, it looks like we were sold a false bill of goods on this Texas Tech team. I was led to believe that this was going to be uh, a year where it's almost bizarro tech, where you have this phenomenal defense and an offense that wasn't returning all that much and wasn't expecting to do that much. But, yeah, from what I can tell, it's the really the same old Texas Tech team. I mean... You look at their numbers, their uh, offensive S&P Plus rank is 12th in the country, um, which is very good, uh, one of the top in the conference. Uh, well, I say that, although I think they're uh, third or fourth behind Oklahoma and West Virginia and maybe Oklahoma State. But uh, their defense ranked 91st in the country, and so that's one of the worst units in the conference. Not the worst unit in the conference, but one of them. And so, you know, you think back that, no, this is just the same Texas Tech team it's always been. And, you know, it's one of their better teams, in my opinion. Um, but Under it's, Cliff Kingsbury, I would say it's probably yeah, one of their better ones, yeah. I would think so. And uh, But it's the composition of it, what they do well and what they do poorly, is just about the same as it's ever been as far as I can tell. Yeah, and when you look at this Texas Tech team, they started out the season 5-2, and two, got beaten the opener by Ole Miss, uh, dropped a pretty darn competitive game at home against West Virginia, losing by 8 there, uh, but uh, rattled off uh, 
wins against Lamar, beat them 77-0. Uh, beat Houston in a defense optional game, 63-49. Uh, had a pretty darn resounding win over Oklahoma State. And that's really what caught my eye. This was when Oklahoma State was still ranked uh, number 15 in the nation, undefeated Oklahoma State at that point. And they went to uh, Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater and laid a beat down on them, 41-17. Really took it to them. Uh, the next week, they, they welcomed West Virginia uh, to, uh, to Lubbock and lost a close one there. And then they've had wins over KU and TCU, uh, two of the worst teams in the conference. And then they've lost three straights, uh, albeit by pretty darn close margins, lost by nine to Iowa State. And that's a pretty darn good Iowa State team, as we've seen. Uh, lost by five to Oklahoma and lost by seven uh, last week to Texas on a last-second touchdown by the Longhorns. So this Texas Tech team, they've won the games that they probably should win, and they've lost the games, uh, I guess maybe the one game that they maybe should not have won uh, when you look at it uh, at the time was maybe Oklahoma State. But that Oklahoma State team, you've kind of uh, – some of the shine off that win has probably came out. But a team that uh, was riding pretty high at 5-2, and two, but they've, they've lost three straight as they come into Manhattan. Yeah, and you, you kind of wonder where their head's at because, like you mentioned, they were they started off great. I mean, at one point five and two, and just about near the top of the conference. Um, but then these uh, losses over the last three weeks, you you start to wonder if their dauber's going to be down and questioning their sell themselves. Um, you know, I think Kingsbury coming into this year, we were all kind of waiting for I think at one point you said will Cliff Kingsbury be Texas Tech's coach by the this time week? they come here yeah and uh I I would have said no at the time and I believe I did say no yeah and uh so chalk another one up wrong for the icon yeah man, bad job by you that yeah, that's a bad job by me but uh Tech has done enough to save Kingsbury's job I think even I I wouldn't go that far yet I mean if things go horribly and they lose to K-State and Baylor to finish the season then Maybe, but, yeah. uh, you know, assuming that if they even split the next two games, I think Kingsbury's probably pretty safe. I wouldn't say he's – I'd say he probably will return. I would say it's pretty close to 50-50, though, if they go 6-6. Six and six. Maybe, but uh, we'll see. I, 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 I don't know about that, but you, you do start to wonder if all of a sudden that – is creeping back into his mind. If if the team, having lost uh, four out of their last six, is starting to come off their high from earlier in the season, and they're going to come into Manhattan in what will, in all likelihood, be Bill Snyder's last home game, and sure. face a team that uh, has been struggling in their own right, but came away with a win last week. So that dynamic will be pretty interesting. Well, let's look a little bit more at uh, kind of some of the individuals on Texas Tech. Uh, they've battled the injury bug a little bit with uh, Alan Bowman uh, having a recurring injury of a collapsed lung, which sounds far from comfortable. Uh, yeah, he's listed as doubtful for this week. Yeah, and you kind of wonder what his prognosis is going long t- or is is going on further at, at Texas Tech if this is kind of a chronic issue, uh, if that'll uh, you know cause him to have to give up football or, or what the case is there, but. Uh, Jet Duffy has been uh, his replacement, and Jet Duffy's a little bit more of a uh, kind of a little bit more of an interesting quarterback at Texas Tech. 
more definitely more of a dual threat than than what they've seen there in the past. Uh, is Texas Tech's leading rusher uh, so far on the season? A uh, guy that could beat you with his legs and with his arm. However, he's shown the ability uh, to beat his own team uh, by turning the ball over in some really critical situations. Had some had some real critical turnovers last week against uh, the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, he's uh, thrown five interceptions on the year. Um, but you're right, he, he does bring the the rushing aspect to it. But really, with Duffy or Bowman, um, it's a lot of the same things that you see, that you're used to Tech seeing um, run, because they both, have the, they both have the same extremely high completion percentage. They both are not prone to explosive plays um, in terms of throwing the ball downfield. And so it's when you when you play a team like Tech, it can really be death by a thousand cuts, and that's really what you worry about if you're a team like K State, especially what we saw against KU last week, where the defensive backs play so far off the ball um, in an effort to prevent the big play. But a team like Tech, they'll take what you give them for the most part, sure. um, where they'll they're fine getting five or six yards completion because if you look at them, their success rate on offense. Uh, is extremely high, 10th in the country, at just uh, under 50%. So that tells you that they're staying ahead of the sticks, they're completing a lot of passes, uh, their quarterbacks throw for just under 70% completion rates. And so they're willing to take uh, th- those underneath, those checkdowns, um, and take what the defense gives them. And if K-State's giving them six or seven yards uh, off the ball in an effort to prevent Tech from hitting a big play, I think that's a big mistake. Yeah, and that typically is, as you've said, the kind of defense K-State plays typically against these teams. Uh, when you look at their defense, we, we touched on not a great unit. Uh, anything in particular that they do well, or is this a unit that's pretty marred throughout? Well, you know, they're an experienced unit. Um, I think they brought back uh, nearly everyone from last year's team. Uh, although Dakota Allen, star of Last Chance U, um, he is uh, not 100% going to play this weekend. So K-State would benefit from that if uh, if Allen's not out there. Yeah, and of course, uh, it's great to see that he's, uh, you know, of course, if you're not familiar with his story from Last Chance U, um, originally enrolled at Texas Tech, uh, got in trouble there, I believe it was in a robbery. And, uh, you know, what goes off to East Mississippi for a year and uh, gets uh, recruited back to Texas Tech uh, from everything that you see on, on the show and from everything you hear, nothing really but a, a good kid that got caught in a bad situation at, at the wrong time and made a huge mistake, paid for it, and he's back not only playing at a high level for Texas Tech, uh, but um, getting himself available as a, as a potential NFL player. So it's great to see... Uh, He's really uh, going down the right path there at Texas Tech. So I uh, hate to see him injured, but it, like you said, it might benefit K-State uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, I I really like this matchup for K-State because unlike last week where uh, I said this uh, this KU team, they're, they're not a good defense, but they, uh, they're better against the run than they are the pass, well – it's uh, just the opposite for Tech. I, they're 
worse against the run, better against the pass. So I think that really lends itself to uh, benefiting K-State here, uh, a run heavier team, especially against a defense that's flat out not a very strong unit. You wonder how much with Skylar Thompson's um, questionable availability, how much it'll impact K-State running the ball. <clears throat> Excuse me with the quarterback. Um, Alex Dalton didn't run the ball much in the first half, ran the ball more in the second half against KU, and, and we saw some success with that. You wonder if that, to interrupt you for a second, go, I wonder, you know, that looked to be a clear decision made at halftime that, okay. Yeah, you think it, that it was a, You think that was a hit the panic button? Dalton's health be damned. It's, we need to... Well, the quarterback run game. I think more than anything, it was Alex Dalton looking deep inside himself and saying, "I can't go back to Hayes, Kansas." Yeah, you, you can't know, with with a with a loss to KU. I, I mean, it, it's a it's a proud uh, proud. He's a proud guy by all ex, all uh, all stories. He couldn't go back to, to Hayes, America, with with a loss on his belt to the to the Kansas Jayhawks. They'd run him out of town on a rail. They'd mm-hmm. say yeah, they'd yeah. run him out on a rail to uh, to Ellis to Ellis, uh, home of the Railers. Exactly, or yeah, Newton, or or Newton, <laughs> take him down south to Newton. So, uh, but yeah, give you gotta give a lot of credit to Alex Dalton. Of course, uh, you know he's had his fair share of uh, of getting banged up throughout uh, his career at K State, and to see him, uh, you you saw him on this uh, at midfield jumping around, hooting and hollering. You could tell he was very excited uh, when the clock hit zero and. And uh, K State was able to get the win, but uh, to, to not to get too far off topic here, I wonder if you will see. Um, it's been reported that Hunter Hall has left the program, um, so it seems like a pretty clear uh, indication that John, or that uh, Holcomb, John Holcomb, is going to be the um, the number two, uh, provided that Skylar Thompson's unable to go. Yeah, I would think so, um, and really, I. I don't think it'd be a horrible idea just yeah, to big put him guy. out there yeah, and make him, him run. Yeah, just give him the old Colin Klein against Texas in a 2010 treatment and just yeah. unleash him and say you're going to throw maybe two or three passes today, Sean. But you're a you're in the wildcat here for uh, you know 40, 45 I think, plays. I think a lot of K State fans would really like to see that. I th- I think it'd be interesting, and I think that at this point in the season, I mean, you want to win the game, of course. You want to send the seniors out on the right on the right note, but it would give kind of K State fans a nice little glimpse to see what uh, Mr. Holcomb is capable of. Well, he's he's got with, the red shirt. Two he games got, left. He's got his red shirt, so it's yeah, not, you're not really Peter, risking yeah. anything. And so, and I did see that he. Uh, th- I thought this was noteworthy last week. He came out not wearing his uh, normal number three, but wearing uh, number nine. And you say, well, why is that important? It's well, an homage to Grant Gregory. Grant Gregory was six. <laughs> nine minus three <laughs> yeah. is six. So you, oh, Who was oh, number nine? Number nine? Was Dill number nine? Dills was nine. That's who the homage was to. Honest uh, Dills. Also a, uh, a native Canton there. But uh, when, you look at, um, when you look at what that means... It, it's as simple as, like, well, Dalvin Warmax number three. You can't have two players out there wearing the same number. Mm. So it seemed like he was only a snap away from getting into the action last week. Uh, should, should have gotten there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think, and back to my, as i thinking about this, it doesn't, if Dalton is so fragile that they're afraid to run him 
in the first half against Kansas, then what is he doing in there? Because he's certainly not, um, you know, in there to sling the ball around. Well, and certainly so, not. Right. And so put put in the healthier quarterback and, when, and let him let him go. Especially when eligibility is not really a concern at this point. He, he'll be able to maintain his red shirt uh, with the new rule. Uh, I, I'd like to see him get in there. Snyder has uh, alluded to the fact that he could be getting some uh, getting some reps uh, in, in the game. It's nice to know that oh, if he plays in a couple games, it's not going to impact his eligibility going forward. You still keep that fifth year um, available for him. So I, I'll be interested to see if he gets in the game. I would say he probably doesn't if I was to bet. Yeah, but I think the the, the this, smart money is on him not getting in. But I think the smarter play is just start it. Start him, okay. I, I, as I, as I, I haven't put much thought into this, but as I think about it, it makes a lot of sense because if, if your first two options are so banged up that they can't really run and neither has been effective throughout the season passing the ball, then just put in your healthiest, best runner and let him, let him run the ball. 25 or 30 times or more. But that's what I would do. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see uh, what the Wildcats decide to do on Saturday. Uh, we've looked at, uh, is there anything else you want to add on Tech? Uh, one thing um, is that Tech, they finish drives pretty well. Well, and I will, I'm going to jump in real quick. That that's why they lost last week, because they didn't finish them well. They had, uh, Jed Duffy had two fumbles Inside the inside the uh, Texas red zone as they were uh, moving in to uh, to to get a touchdown there, so that was really the difference in the game. Were were two Jet Duffy fumbles that uh, really swing the momentum there uh, for the Longhorns as they were able to escape out of Lubbock uh, with a win. Continue. Well, and maybe the the Duffy offense is a little different, and these stats can't be totally relied upon if if Duffy is going to be the guy, but. Uh, Texas Tech ranks 10th in the country in uh, finishing drives. And uh, K-State's defense is has been really pretty good at uh, preventing drives from being finished. They're uh, in the top 30 in that respect. And so I say this because I think K-State's defensive coordinators are probably pretty comfortable playing bend but don't break let them get inside the 30 or 40 and have faith that you can hold them to a field goal most of the time because that's what K-State's defense has done this year. But as we mentioned earlier, Tech will slice you and dice you for five and six yards down the field, all the way down the field. And then when they get into scoring range, they start to threaten. They do, or they do most of the time, uh, finish drives and make defenses pay for for letting them get those easy yards in the middle of the field. So something to watch. If K-State's defense can hold Tech to uh, mostly field goals the once they get inside the yeah. 35 or 40-yard line and just they have to make a stand at some point um, once they get in that position, then I think K-State is going to have a chance in this game. But if Tech is getting down there and scoring touchdowns more often uh, than field goals once they get inside K-State's 40-yard line, then uh, I think K-State's going to be in some trouble. Okay. Well, I think we've done a pretty good job laying this uh, laying this game out. Uh, 
Dilu, I'll come to you first. What's your prediction for Saturday's contest against the Red Raiders? I'm going uh, Texas Tech uh, 38. I'm going uh, K-State uh, 24. I think uh, I think Tech is the better team. Um, I don't think K-State has the offensive firepower to keep up with them um, because, you know, I don't think it matters how bad a particular defense K-State plays is. I think K-State's offense is just going to struggle to score against just about everyone. So, uh, and I think Tech's offense is good enough uh, to take advantage of K-State's uh, overpatience on defense, and I think they're going to capitalize on the probably conservative uh, uh, philosophy that K-State's going to throw out there on Saturday. So you've got 38-24 Red Raiders. Yeah, I have the Red Raiders covering in this one and covering by a fairly comfortable margin. So line betting line is at 6, uh, over-under is at 57.5, so you have the game you know, right around uh, where they have it going. Um, pretty, pretty close, but an over-bet it sounds like from you here. Uh, on the point total, uh, I have the game pretty darn similar to you. However, 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 I'm going K State, getting the win here. Oh wow! Thirty-one to thirty over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So that's so that's similar to me. I pick Texas Tech winning by two Sim- scores. Similar, similar, <laughs> similar in terms of the, you got a close win. Similar in terms of. Uh, the point total. I okay, guys. That's how I should have phrased yeah. that. That's there will be just as many, about as many scores. Yeah. Um, but who scores differs for you. That's right. I think K State's gonna do enough to get this one. I don't. When I look at the numbers, it, it looks a little bit, a uh, little bit wacky. But I think with it being Senior Day, uh, more likely than not, it seems like that it'll be. Uh, Bill Snyder's last game uh, on the sidelines in Manhattan. Of course, K-State goes on the road to finish out the season uh, in Ames, Iowa uh, next week. But I think K-State makes enough plays on offense and defense and uh, you know makes enough plays even in the kicking game this week, where, which is an, an area that they've struggled in. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Cats 31 30. I'm not saying go uh, go put a mortgage down on this game, but uh, I think the Cats get away with one here. All right. Well, we'll find out uh, next week which one of us. Hey, you want to bet a cup of coffee on this? No, I don't. All right. I don't. <laughs> so uh, that'll do it here for uh, the KU review and Texas Tech preview portion of this week's short side option. We'll be back after this to look at a Wildcat legend and answer your questions and ask the icon after this. Welcome back here to the short side option where we are getting into our second segment of the show uh, and a segment that starts with a little feature we call this week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, this week's Wildcat Legend comes uh, from a man who had an iconic game against uh, the Red Raiders. Uh, He was a quarterback. It's iconic, all right. Yeah, he was a quarterback for Kansas State. Back in 2005, his freshman year, he is none other than the proudest son of Papillion, Nebraska. He is Alan Everidge. Uh, Everidge had just one year for K-State. 
but it was a legendary uh, year nonetheless. Uh, Average threw for uh, 1,365 yards, uh, including a 357-yard performance against Texas A&M. He added 203 more yards on the ground, including 138 in a 27-25 loss against his home state's Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, But what really is ingrained in a lot of K-State's fans' minds and probably a lot of Red Raiders fans' minds is uh, his game against Texas Tech down in Lubbock. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about why that game was uh, so important? Well, uh, a couple things. Uh, He had two very memorable plays in that game. Thank you for the great uh, intro there, uh, highlighting his accolades, of which there are many, Mm -hmm. uh, during his time at Kansas State. Uh, But, yeah, so Allen Average... I remember his game against uh, Texas Tech in 2005. It was an 11 o'clock kickoff, ABC television. Gary Thorne on the call, I do recall. This was a a top 25 ranked uh, Texas Tech team that we were going up against. And it was a game that, quite frankly, K-State got manhandled in. uh, But not without fault is Allen Everett in that game because he – he he played his 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 rear off and he gave K State uh, some memorable plays in that one. Most memorable uh, was a was a bomb to Jordy Nelson. Absolutely. That I believe either tied the game or gave K State a brief lead in this one. Uh, but another one in that play in that game, I believe it was Darius Slay, uh, the hard hitting safety. Dwayne Slay. Dwayne Slay. Darius Slay plays for the used to play for the Lions. I'm, yeah. Maybe they're related. Yeah, I uh, think but Dwayne Slay, excuse me, they, that's a that's a good job by you there. Uh, he uh, he knocked Allen Everett out of that game, knocked him out pretty well cold. But a gritty effort and uh, an effort that uh, Wildcat fans can not only be proud of, but can look back and say it was iconic. Yeah, absolutely, and dare I say, legendary. Uh, like I mentioned, over thirteen hundred yards at the time. That was a record for a freshman quarterback for K State. Um, I don't know if that still stands or not. I don't know if Freeman I, I would, overtook it I that year. Ass, I would assume he would. Uh, he did get a little bit. I he got started a little bit late. I would assume that he did overtake him. So I believe Josh Freeman has has his name supplanted uh, over Allen Average. Yeah, um, and then obviously after the season, uh, once Coach Snyder retired the first time, uh, and Ron Prince came aboard and obviously recruited Josh Freeman. Uh, Allen made the decision that uh, he no longer wanted to play for the Wildcats, uh, tragically, and transferred to Wisconsin, where he had a fairly prolific career. Um, got, yeah. Got some playing time there. Yeah, he started the season, got replaced, I remember, about five, six games into the season. But uh, no doubt he left his mark on that program as well. Yeah, and uh, you know it was sad to see him go, but one thing's for certain, and that was uh, during his time at K-State, Alan Everidge was a Wildcat legend. Now, Icon, we're going to move into our final segment of the show, a segment we call Ask the Icon, and listeners are reminded that they can submit their questions to Ask uh, the Icon, where they can ask the Short Side Options' very own Chris the Icon Sork questions about K-State sports or about anything else they want to uh, by submitting questions to at TSSO underscore podcast, uh, or writing their questions and using the hashtag AskTheIcon. 
We're going to get started here uh, with question two questions, actually, uh, from listener Brady. He's double-dipping today. Uh, Brady's first question for the icon, for the icon is as follows. I like the icon. <laughs> it's like, I am your ambassador of Quan. Yeah. Show uh, me the Quan, baby. Yeah, show me the money. Uh, what was his name? Uh, the uh, player in... Uh, oh, oh, what was his name? Tidsdale? Rod, Rod Tidsdale. Rod, Rod Tidale. Tidwell. Tidwell. Rod Tidwell. Yeah. And Great of course, player. Oh, yeah. You know, it, 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 meant, it meant a lot for Rod Tidwell to, to not only go home to Arizona, but play his home games in the same uh, same stadium that he did at, uh, as, a Sun Devil. as a Sun Devil. And, you know... Talk about a Sun Devil legend. Talk about an icon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, moving uh, from one icon to the next, listener Brady asks uh, the icon the following. He asks, my question of the week, icon, walk me back from the ledge. Is Pete Hughes going to be the unheralded knight in shining armor who comes out of nowhere to rescue K-State's 18-19 athletic campaign? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think K-State's going to struggle on the baseball diamond. I do think that he, uh, I'm anxious to see what he is able to bring to this baseball program, but uh, ever since uh, K-State got to uh, a game away from the College World Series, Back in uh, 2013, it's been really downhill for the K-State baseball program. So uh, he, Pete Hughes has his work cut out for him, but uh, I'm excited to see how the Wildcats do on the baseball uh, field this year. Uh, don't don't have that high of expectations for him, though, this season. I like the uh, moxie bringing in a baseball question here. Hey, you know, we, the first weeks in November. Where else, what other podcast can you go on in, in the middle of November and ask K-State baseball about I mean, that's why... It's a good job by Brady. That's a, that's a good job. That's a good question there by Brady. All right. Well, let's see if Brady uh, follows it up with another one. He asks, How long is Jeff Long's leash when KU's next coach invariably fails? And how would this leash, leash compare to Gene Taylor's if, heaven forbid, he makes the same mistakes as Tim Weiser after Snyder retirement number one? Well, that's another good question there by Brady. So that's a good job by him twice there. Yeah, uh, good job there, Brady. I would say that Jeff Long is got. A, I would say they both have about the same leash. Um, both guys that have been brought in here recently. Um, Jeff Long was brought in for one reason, and that's to to fix what's going on uh, with KU's football program. Depending on how that hire goes, I bet he will be allowed to make another one. Uh, if it's uh, if you get a guy in there that doesn't have success, and after three years uh, it's time to move on, I would guess he gets one more chance. Um, if they get a guy that has some success and leaves, you know that would be that would be a, a credit to, to Jeff Long that he was able to hire a coach that uh, you know did well enough at KU that he was attractive to other programs. So I think that they both have similar leashes. Um, obviously Gene Taylor has a, uh, he's got a huge hire to make here. One that can really, um, really alter K-State's football program. And, uh, we're hopeful that he does, uh, makes a good hire there. Yeah, absolutely. And and if I could just say one thing here, this is not an answer to the question, mind you. This is just a complete sidebar because this segment is, of course, has the icon. But, man, so far, this... KU coaching search 
It's been a uh, it's been a little bit of an enigma. You know, it's it's just odd because it it seems like Jeff Long is almost trolling the KU fan base. With that's kind of his his uh, his way of doing things on on Twitter, and that's been uh, been his way of doing it when he was um, you know at Arkansas as the athletic director and when he was. Uh, chairman and, and spokesperson, so to speak, for the college football playoff committee. He likes to keep things light. He likes to keep things, uh, you know, funny on Twitter. But which, you know, for the average guy, that's fine. But if I was a KU football fan that's really looking forward to, you know, getting this thing figured out, I'd be a little bit concerned. Maybe uh, and say, hey, man, you, you've been here for five minutes here. Let's let's relax on the joking around. Yeah, here. it's like. Well, it's not just on Twitter. It's the fake flight plan uh, this week where yeah, they had somebody yeah. at a flight going down to Baton Rouge, and then he he's playing games on Twitter where he's tweeting out obvious stock photos of Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, and it's like good. it's like, do you think this is a joke? Are you playing around here? Like it? I'm telling you, if he doesn't get less miles, those fans are going to be nonplussed about this because Whoa. it's 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 really he's acting so casually about this. That it would, if Gene Taylor did something like that and started getting cute about getting fans' hopes up and playing around and treating this like a game or a joke, I would be furious. I would have I would have no patience for that. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, I know that there were several KU beat riders out there at the airport. Uh, not the not the most uh, balmy time to be outside. Uh, Trying to see who's coming in and off of planes, but uh, it'll be one to keep an eye on for sure. That that much is uh, for certain. All right. Well, moving on now. Uh, Joey Kenny at jkenny1987 on Twitter. He asked the icon, assuming college basketball had the same rules as college football with regards to when you could turn pro, what's okay. the ceiling for how good the Beasley, Pullman, Walker teams could have been? This is a national championship type team. Oh, there's no question. Uh, when you look at that, uh, so Michael Beasley, uh, 08, 09, and then uh, 2010 would have been his third year. So that's what Joey's referencing there with the, with the three years. You would have had a starting lineup that would have looked something like, oh, geez, I don't even know who would have, it would have been. I'm sure some of the players may have transferred in and out, but – you would have had a lineup that would have looked something like Denny Clemente, Jacob Pullen, um, Bill Walker, Curtis Kelly, Michael Beasley. Pretty pretty good lineup. Pretty good lineup. Now, granted, also other teams would have got to enjoy the three-year, uh, you know, benefit there as well. And with, you know, how college basketball transferring goes, I'm sure some of these guys would have would have transferred around and, and maybe gone to different programs. That's impossible to say, but I will say that starting five, and then with Dominique Sutton and Jamar, Jamar Samuels uh, coming off the bench, uh, I don't know if that's a national championship team. That, that I don't know if that's a team that wins a national championship, but it sure looks like one. And most, assuming that uh, other teams didn't have that same advantage, then I think that's pretty clear. Oh, yeah. That that's yeah, would have no, been the best no question team. about that. That would have been a that would have been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Steve Z at SL Keck asks, "Hey guys, long time listener, also long time question asker. That's true. That's a good, that's a good point by him. There. And he asks uh, specifically uh, to the icon, what are your top three Thanksgiving sides? 
Ooh, that's a great question there by Steve. Good Z. job that's, there by that, Steve. That's Z. very good from him. It's very strong. Uh, I would say mashed potatoes and gravy. I'm not counting those as two. I'm counting those as one. I think that's a staple of any uh, of any Thanksgiving side. I would say sometimes when you look at my plate, it's the main course. Wow. I mean, I love those mashed potatoes and gravy. You oh, can't yeah. get enough of those. Just give me the starch. That's right, baby. And then uh, I'm taking that. I'm also taking a green bean casserole. Classic. Classic. Uh, no nonsense there. And then give me stuffing. I mean, it, it, maybe it's stock. Maybe it's not that imaginative. But uh, that's my three, and I'm sticking to it. I like it. A traditionalist. Uh, listener Epp at Johnny underscore Epley Seed asks, what's JT Tiller up to these days? That's a good question there by uh, Epp there. Uh, JT Tiller is a retired basketball player now. He spent some time in the uh, Danish uh, professional league. How do you do that there? I actually, I take that back. Dutch, excuse me. I, uh, Dutch professional league. Excuse me. Not Denmark, but uh, uh, our friends in the Netherlands. Uh, and he uh, was... Burners. And he uh, was a uh, all all league player out there. So JT Tiller, uh, not playing anymore, but uh, had a nice long, uh, productive, uh, professional career. So that's a good question there. Uh, listener Steven at Godlewski twenty two asks, "What are your predictions for KSU's football players to make the All Big Twelve team?" Well, I think Duke Shelley would have got on there, and I'm a little bit bummed. Because uh, that was my one preseason prediction that would have came true. Uh, but uh, Duke Shelley will not probably get on the team, of course, with his uh, leaving with the injury. Uh, I think Risner gets on there by default. Um, I think Alex Barnes gets on there maybe as a second team running back. He's probably Behind Montgomery? Probably behind Montgomery. And I'd, I'd put him behind probably Trey Sermon as well because of what he's done and the numbers he's put up. But Alex Barnes had a really good season. He's definitely deserving um, of a, a spot on an all-Big 12 team. Uh, nothing on the receiving end and probably nothing on the defensive end, I would say. Um, I thought Justin Hughes has really put himself in a good position, too, if he would have started the season and had played the way he's been playing uh, these last couple of games. He, he could have found himself in that position. Uh, but really, right now, I'm saying uh, Alex Barnes and Dalton Reisner are probably two. first two, team guys. Uh, I wouldn't even say first team. I'd just say someplace on the All-Big 12 team, whether it's first or second team. Wow. Is there is there anyone you would think that you'd want to put on there? Maybe France. I don't, Fran- it's hard to grade out yeah, offensive the, linemen, but I know that uh, the pro football focus grades – uh, him, think but, pretty highly of France too, and I I don't know what else you would look at really. I don't know. Typically, if there's any other real metric other than well, you look at some of the league's best offenses, and you know you you could put Oklahoma's offense, their entire starting offensive line, as first team, and I wouldn't have too much of an issue with that. The way they'll they, make their entire team the first team. Yeah, on offense. I mean, with, yeah. the, with the way they're putting up uh, numbers, you wouldn't get much argument from me. Uh, but I expect to see a few K-State players on there. All right, moving on now to Tyler H., who brings a trio of questions uh, for the icon. Uh, number one, uh, excuse me, Tyler H. at TH8 underscore. His first question is, Icon, have you watched the Gabriel Cruz videos from yesterday on the state of the football program? And if so, what are your thoughts? No, I have not watched them. Not a bad uh, job by you there. That's a bad job by me there. Uh, but... 
I um, I've got a little bit of an idea of what they what they pertain. Yeah, and I they're long ahead. videos. They are. Yeah, I, it's like the first one's like half an hour long. Oh my! So I I actually did some work on it today just trying to oh this is a question maybe that's no more, it's not it's this not. is might be a more of a ask the dealer question because i didn't finish it because they're so long <laughs> well <laughs> and uh, you know i think what you're getting ready to say is that i've seen players post videos complaining about yeah if you if you are friends with guys like terry pierce on facebook and some of the old players they they don't hold back on their criticisms of joe hall joe hall uh a myriad of players they don't hold back on their criticism, but I have not viewed that video. Uh, it's on my to-do list. I just haven't. Uh, today was kind of a crazy day, so haven't had the chance to look at that yet. Yeah, I mean, one. It's pretty common to see the same complaints boil up, and it's mostly that you know it's an authoritarian type program. Um, yeah, there's people complaining of manipulation and stuff like this bull rings thing mm -hmm. that's yep, been coming that out this week. Yep, that was a big story. Um, and so just a lot of general complaints. And I think you see that anytime uh, a coach is, has or is at least perceived to have overstayed his welcome. And I think that's where a lot of K-State fans are right now. And now that uh, Bill Snyder's fallen out of favor with a lot of people that really have put a lot into uh, the K-State football program, whether they're players or whether they're fans or, or what have you, that um, everybody is, I don't want to say smelling the blood in the water, but now if you're ever going to air your grievances with Coach Snyder, now is a pretty safe time to do it because yeah. um, in all likelihood he's a lame duck and uh, there are certainly plenty of people frustrated with him. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing here that you have to look back at is you know, some of the stuff gets easily glossed over, swept under the rug, pushed off to the side, whatever term you want to use uh, when you're winning. And, yeah. and K-State uh, right now at 4-6, and six, um, looking like an, more than an uphill climb to, uh, to get to a bowl game, even as a 5-7 and seven team that sneaks in. Um, the winning hasn't been there, and it really hasn't been there the last couple of years in terms of uh, of what K State fans' expectations are. So, like you said, uh, kind of a blood the blood's in the water, so to speak, and and winning cures all. And when, and when you're not winning, uh, these things uh, tend to have a little bit more legs to them. Yeah, not not as easy or convenient to overlook these types of uh, personal issues once things start going south. Uh, our second question from Tyler H is. What are your predictions for the Paradise Jam? Will any guard besides Barry play well? Yeah, so I expect K-State to win the Paradise Jam tournament. Uh, I think when you look at K-State's draw, they play Eastern Kentucky on Friday with a win. I believe it's a Sunday game against uh, the winner of Penn in Northern Iowa. And if they lose, they play on Saturday. I believe is how is how it shakes out. But well, let's I, hope they beat the Colonels. Yeah, I, I fully expect K State to win, and uh, I fully expect them to get to um, to get to the championship game where they will most likely play either um, Missouri or Oregon State on the other side of the bracket. Uh, I expect K State to win the tournament. Uh, to be to be quite frank, 
to answer his question about uh, about if if any guard's going to play better uh, or is going to play at the same level as Barry. You know, there are a couple of guys that I've been a little disappointed with. Of course, Kamal Stokes has had a has a pretty rough two games, uh, but so is really everyone else um, in terms of uh, of the backcourt. Mike McGurl hasn't quite been there yet, um, although Mike McGurl did hit the first three pointer of the uh, regular season for K State. So if you add Mike McGurl uh, as the first three pointer of the season for K-State in your office pools. Uh, Congratulations to you. Good job by you. Um, But Kamal Stokes, uh, Cartier Jada, and Mike McGurl both haven't played well. All all three of them would would probably say that uh, uh, to you. So, been disappointing for them. However, uh, gets them out out of uh, kind of maybe the normal uh, routine for them going to uh, the Virgin Islands. I'm expecting K-State to, to look a little bit better out there. Uh, competition at this tournament is really not great. This Missouri team uh, got pretty well handled by Iowa State. Iowa State's a good team. Uh, on the ro- er, uh, the game was on the road for Missouri. It was in Ames. Iowa State's going to be one of those teams that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on this year in the Big 12. Uh, but to me, I think this is K-State's tournament to lose, and I think, uh, I think the guards are going to chip in and, and do their part. Yeah, rough couple of games for uh, the backcourt besides Barry Brown. Um, concerning if you're a K-State fan because that's supposed to be the strength of the team this year. But yeah, a lot of depth, a lot of depth throughout. That's the getting everyone back, but uh, not off to a good start. Defense has been great though. Uh, I'm not really concerned about you know where the team's at. You know, there's it's first yeah, two games. Yeah, sure, you'd love to see them be blowing out teams by 30, 40 points, but the shots will fall. I, I'm not too worried. All right, our final question from Tyler H. Uh, and the final question from the listeners for this week's edition of Ask the Icon is as follows. Who do you want on your team in a pickup game? Ryan Patswald or Alex Potajak? Well, I can't speak much to uh, Ryan Patswald's uh, exploits at the rec. But I can speak a little bit to uh, Alex Potajak's uh, exploits at the rec. This guy... Um, was pretty darn good uh, going up against uh, against the guys at the rec. So bear in mind the competition. But I'm taking Alex Potajak, guy that is uh, 6'9", I believe, 6'10", um, guy that could shoot the ball pretty well. That guy's made for the rec leagues, and uh, he would be my pick uh, with, I don't think, uh, much, of, much of a thought there. So Potajak's my guy on that. Do you have any, anything you want to add to that? Uh, give me Patswell. The Mohawk. The Mohawk. Yeah. Give me the Hawk. Hey. Me and Padswell versus you and Potajack. Oh man, that's set it up. We could uh we could get get a get a nice game going there. I think so. A little two on two action. That's right. I'm just feed, I'm just feeding Potajack. He's laying I don't know up who's over, gonna guard him. Oh, yeah, over you shrimp. So <laughs> he'll he'll score all night. So yeah. well that'll do it for this edition of the short side option podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, I mean, can you can you believe it? The final regular season game uh, for the Wildcats on the season against the Iowa State Cyclones. Crazy that this season's gone by as quickly as it has, huh, D-Lou? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it'll probably be a forgettable one, but not for lack of uh, talking points, but for uh, lack of on-field success. But hopefully we can uh, finish off the season strong, go out this week and take care of business against uh, – 
a tech team that's struggling, and then a tech team that's really right there for the picking. I think. I agree. I agree. I do think I did predict that they'd win, but they're certainly vulnerable. Um, and then who knows? Next week we could go out and extend our dominance over uh, what is a solid Iowa State team. But I'd, I'd say more than a solid Iowa State. Team. Yeah, I'd say I, a good Iowa, a darn good Iowa State team. Be interested to watch that game this week against Texas. Yeah, I think that that'll be a pretty good matchup, and I'm be certainly tuned in for that too. But uh, yeah, if we can somehow salvage uh, one or both of these last couple games, it'll at least leave K State fans uh, a better taste in our mouths as we go into this uh, off season that's right now going to be full of tons of uncertainty. Well, that'll do us uh, here for the Short Side Option podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week to look at Iowa State and hopefully recap a Paradise Jam tournament championship team with the K-State Wildcats. We'll be back next week on the short side option. Thanks for listening.